today, um, I'd like to welcome you to our Lunch Hour Legal Marketing webinar. Either you're here with us live or you're listening uh, to our podcast via the Legal Talk Network. Um, either way, we're happy to have you here. And today we're going to hear from Mark Homer. And Mark is the CEO of GNGF. Mark, does that stand for something? Yeah, it used to stand for that. Getting us get found. But uh, I guess we, our brand people decided we want to go the cool agency route, just shorten it to letters. Got it. Get noticed, get found. All right, I like it. So he. Mark is, uh, as I said, the CEO, and uh, he's had about 20 years of technology, marketing, and consulting experience. Um, <clears throat> and uh, GNGF works with uh, a number of law firms. Uh, they work with businesses. Mark's made a number of presentations to uh, business owners of all kinds and uh, has done a number of CLEs. Um, so he is going to talk to us today about the latest trends in marketing for law firms. Um, as usual, feel free to ask questions via the chat and Mark will answer those throughout the webinar. Um, and he has also provided us with uh, his uh, new book, which is Online Law Practice Strategies, How to Turn Clicks into Clients. Um, and he's giving us the, anyone who's participating today, the uh, Kindle version for free, and we've got a, a link to that. Um, I don't know if they need if they need a special download code uh, or. I'll, I'll what. Here. I can just go out a and I'll make sure everybody gets the information. Okay, great. Then we will send that out. All right. So thank you. I'm going to jump right in. Uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I, I said I'm the CEO of Kindle's Get Down GMGF. Uh, we are a law firm marketing agency. Uh, all we do work with right now, um, and have for the past four years, are law firms. So a lot of information I'm providing is is just from you know a lot of data and stuff we're seeing. One of the law firms we work with, but also looking at the industry landscape. Um, this is part and I speak at conferences and technology conferences all over the country. So we often are able to uh, kind of see what's coming up and what's coming next, um, kind of borrow and stuff from other industries. So excited to give this presentation. So something unique about me is I have uh, uh, actually survived a plane crash. So uh, I um, plane, uh, it's not actually the actual plane I was in, but it did look very similar to that. We landed uh, flipped over a few times. Uh, but what's ironic about it is I was actually trying to do this when I was in um, <clears throat> a crashing a plane. So uh, I'm one of the few skydivers that has a log in this book. Uh, Jumping out at zero feet. So, parachute uh, actually deployed as we were running out of the plane. Uh, so, just something unique. Uh, you may have uh, heard GNG African has good found. Uh, my business partner and I, uh, like I said, speak around the country a lot. Um, we're also uh, published in, in Forbes, NBC, uh, LMA, et cetera. So, uh, see our name, Jabez, Brad, or myself. Um, it's probably why, but I, I bring this up not to say, you know, Brad or anything, but just say that, you know, because of this access, you know, we get to interview a lot of people in the industry. We get um, you know, access to a lot of information that's coming out. So hopefully uh, yeah, that helps us with this, this presentation on um, what's coming next. In terms of our book, um, we do have a book called Online Law Practice Strategies, uh, another place you may have heard about us. Um, the fourth edition was actually released literally like last week. I think we were going back for that email. I was pretty excited that we got it out in time for this. Um, 
So the publication just released uh, for this particular uh, uh, webinar, and we are going to offer a free copy of the new edition. Um, there's the URL. I'll have it at the end, and I guess I would probably send it out at the email to the participants as well. Um, just gmdf.com forward slash launch dash hour. Uh, just you know, tell your information there. Um, I'll find somebody to verify uh, your email address, make sure we have that. And then when we do our uh, promotion with Amazon, where we're going to offer the book for free for a little bit uh, for a certain set of people, we'll make sure you guys are on that. So um, make sure you get that information in. And trends. All right. So trends for 2015 2016. It's kind of like you know, we're wrapping up on 2015. Um, things we've seen, continue to see, uh, and then also, you know, what we're expecting in the 2016. Uh, it shouldn't be any surprise uh, for a trend, but mobile continues to grow in importance. And we're really talking about some, some reasons why. Um, I have some data I'll, I'll probably share along the way. Um, also, this on-demand economy, the on-demand expectations now of, of uh, kind of, you know, end users, consumer, business users. Um, it's just uh, it's increasing rapidly. Obviously, mobile is a piece of that. Um, but then on-demand expectation, how is your firm set up for that? Uh, we trust strangers now. Um, surprise. Uh, I guess stranger danger no longer any, anymore. Uh, we trust strangers uh, more than we trust our friends when it comes to kind of how we purchase and, and our purchase decisions. Um, and the, the data just gets stronger and stronger. Um, and then links still matter. Uh, kind of question mark there. Uh, so in digital marketing, um, especially for your web presence, uh, links back to your website were a big uh, strength indicator um, over the years, and then there was a big pushback on, well, links aren't as important. Um, I guess I'm here to say that links are, are still mattering. All right, the future is mobile. Uh, some interesting data points. Um, I find some of these kind of funny, uh, but what's really interesting about this is this research report was from 2013. So we're you know, almost three years later. 79% uh, of people have their phone on or near them all but two hours of their waking day. I'd say that's probably definitely higher. Um, I mean, mine is greater. Uh, never really that. 62% reach for a smartphone immediately after waking up. Um, I had a uh, friend who told me that. Uh, there's only three things you can take to bed with you, you know, your spouse, your dog, and your phone. Um, how many people have this phone laying right there next to their dresser, uh, next to their nightstand? Uh, um, 25%, again, this data is a little bit old, so it's probably higher, but 25%, a quarter of people can't recall the last time their smartphone wasn't even next to them. So people are, are have access um, to a smartphone all hours of the day, are relying on it. You hear about the term second screen. Um, I, I don't know about, about your habits, but you know, I, I know mine and my kids are even worse. Uh, we're watching TV. Um, everybody's watching TV between us. Staring right at that phone, um, looking right at their smartphone, and the TV's just on the background. It's almost like So, some of the trends for this, uh, I want to bring up some points. Um, there's two generations that uh, are really interesting. And you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, as you mentioned, 20 years already in the business world, so way out of this generation. But uh, millennials are 18 to 33 now. So we talk about millennials and all those kids, and they are just all you know mobile with their kids, and it's not really important. 33 years old. Um, yeah, they're adults. Uh, many are middle managers with uh, with actually a, you know very good incomes. Um, millennials. We're with mobile devices, not phones, 
So, you know, I, mean, I don't even think I had a mobile phone until you know, I already graduated from college. They had phones early on, but then as they started getting the formative years, they were already, um, you know, mobile devices. Uh, on average, when they were sending 100, 100 texts a day, uh, I, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I know they have a text I get to my kids in the middle of the day. Surprising, I mean, it's at school, so I'm not even sure how that's happening. But mobile devices, um, you know, and, and access to text messaging, it's just the, the way millennials think and work is much different. Um, Two-thirds uh, would rather text than speak to someone. Um, so, you know, how are we preparing for that? Uh, this is interesting. If you really think about it, millennials knew Amazon the retailer before they knew Amazon the river. Um, scary thought. Uh, but, you know, think about it. They, they've just grown up with Amazon. Um, 75% are on social media from a mobile device. Um, more than 75% are on social media. Uh, I think it's almost like 95% of millennials are on some form of social media. But 75% of them primary access to social media from a mobile device. Okay, what's coming next? Uh, Gen Z, which is less than 20 years old, um, but already hitting, uh, you know, kind of summer hitting up in the 18th, but Here's what's coming next, right? So this is the largest population in the U.S. Um, shocking, but yeah, like that, that kind of zero to 20 right now is like the largest population. Um, Gen Z works on images uh, versus text. So Snapchat, Instagram, video. Uh, they can work on multiple screens at once. I mean, I don't know if, uh, I, I've got kids uh, 10, no, 11, 13. And man, I mean, there's an iPad up, there's a TV over there, they're on their uh, video games. It's crazy. Um, they only really experience touch screens. Uh, you know, how many times have you seen a kid go up to, to a TV and just start trying to move it around? You know, they're just, they don't understand why not. This one's interesting. Um, Gen Z is learning as much from YouTube as they are from school. In fact, some schools are flipping the curriculum now, where kids go home and watch kind of like how a teacher would teach. So they watch the, the lesson during the night, and they come in during the day, and they discuss and work and figure out and support. Um, so it's like they're learning as much from YouTube. Uh, they're, you know, they're going online to learn you know, how to do things, how to play this game or that game, or um, you know, like little experiments. And it's amazing how much is out there. Uh, at the same time, the YouTube is like two, three, four-minute chunks. Um, it's, it's like bite-sized media, you know, like a little snack size of everything. Um, so, and then here's a surprising thing, Gen Z is leaving Facebook. One, a lot of them don't even get on it. Um, big reason why Facebook bought Instagram, right? I mean, it is, uh, Gen Z was like crushing uh, Instagram and they weren't on Facebook. And then many were even leaving it. So, um, you know, that's where, where uh, my generation is. And so they're like, we don't want to be where our parents are, right? So what does this mean for you? Um, so basically, are you ready? Are you ready? Do you have a mobile responsive website? Does your website, if I go to it on a mobile device, do I have to pinch and zoom and look around? Um, or is it taking me to a whole other site that's a very different experience if I was on one screen and looking at it here? Because again, the, the, these new generations are on multiple screens all the time. They want that similar passive handoff. Um, can people get a hold of you from a mobile device? Uh, is there like some form of chat? Again, they don't want to call. Heaven forbid they pick up the phone and call somebody. But this is the, you know, the generation that's coming up that we need to make sure we're ready for. Um, and also, you know, is your phone set up correctly in mobile search? That's where they are. That's where we're looking. Are we ready to um, 
we found in that area. This is an example of the search on the web. Uh, many of you, uh, if you've done some basic digital marketing work, hopefully your, your website, if you search for your name, you would see something like this on the right. It's called the Knowledge Graph. It's going to pull together your reviews, your hours, your address, maybe even an application there. Um, they have like a, they may stick an image in there. Um, so that's the Knowledge Graph. You see that all the time on Google when you do a Google search on your own firm name. However, how does that look online? Um, the knowledge graph is there as well. Um, so you can see here, I just did a, a search, and there's uh, you know a number of the top firms coming up. Um, there's some information about reviews, and then suddenly there's some other information that uh, you know, I could quickly call and get directions. You know, this is a mobile device, right? I can jump and get directions. These are things that Google is really smart. They do a lot of research, a lot of research to figure out what the consumers want in the search results. Constantly testing, like 50 tests a day are playing with stuff that they've got you know, billions of billions of users. Um, so they're constantly playing what matters. So if Google has call and directions and stuff right there, we need to make sure we're thinking about that as well. How does it look when people use voice? This is an example of Siri. Can somebody, if somebody says, you know, hey, I need a DUI attorney, um, just on their phone, they say, you know, use Siri, can they find you? Um, you know, coming down the road or wearables. Uh, you know, like is that, you know, is there a way to, you know, they're searching on there, I can lift my Apple Watch and just start talking to Siri. Um, so are, are you ready, are you being found in these areas as well? So just something to think about, make sure that, um, you know, we're set up correctly. Uh, as I mentioned, Google does a lot of testing and tracking and figuring out what matters to users. So why should we redo all that test and figure it out again? Let's, you know, take, take a lead from Google. And here's an example of where this is the website, or you know, it's actually an example I think that we did. Yeah, this is what we did. And you can see right here, right at the top. Um, now, this wouldn't be on their website, but on their mobile device, it suddenly shows three icons call us, you know, um, contact us, you know, this request an appointment or you know, direction, uh, information, you know, ready at your fingertips. All right, um, and I, I'm glad I cut down the slides. I've already been you know, 23 minutes in, and I'm just getting to the second thing. All right, the on-demand expectations. Uh, this is something that um, you may be familiar with in terms of when I say on-demand, but you may be more familiar with the actual companies that are driving this revolution. Um, when I say on-demand expectations, what I'm saying is people expect to be able to get what they want, when they want it, where they want it now. Um, like, I shouldn't have to wait for a company to be open to go call them. There should be a way online for me to go interact somehow uh, with somebody whenever I'm ready with my phone in my hand and it pops in my head. Uh, we've got things like Uber, the sharing economy, uh, Airbnb, TaskRabbit. I can you know, like go on my phone and order up somebody to come over and maybe help me collate and file for three hours when they're out. Um, ship, you know, uh, uh, online, this is a business kind of you know, shipping platform. It's amazing. Um, some of these aren't in all the areas right now, but they're, they're coming and they're growing, and it's only more out there. But what they're doing, um, you know, Amazon Prime uh, is another perfect example. You know, Netflix, uh, we can go on. It's like when I want, what I want, when I want it, and wherever I want it. Um, I can read my you know, Kindle on my laptop, and I can take it to my iPad, and I can take it to my phone, and I can actually actually use my Kindle. But I can use it in all those places. You actually remember where I'm at at every given point. So this expectation is just 
becoming um, accepted as you know, what I should be getting uh, as a consumer, as a user uh, of, of digital media. So we need to make sure that we're thinking about this and then looking at our marketing, looking at the way we're setting up our practice and interaction with uh, prospective clients and then clients themselves. Uh, one thing that we always recommend is some form of online chat. You know, I'm expecting when I have an issue or something pops in my head or you know, I, I go to my phone and search right now. Um, you know, as an aside, just you know, think about your own behavior. Um, I don't know if you guys you know, remember the time when you used to be sitting around at a, at a bar having a few beers with friends and somebody would be like, talk about a movie, and you, for 20 minutes you can rack your brain on, oh, who was that actor in that movie? That person, you know, they were also in this movie and that movie, and I can't remember their name. Well, nobody does that anymore because they just grab their phone and start searching and everybody, everybody knows information right now. Same thing goes if I have a problem. I have a problem, I want to know the answer right now. Um, I can talk to my phone, I can uh, talk to my computer, I can you know, type, type it in wherever I'm at. So make sure after hours, during hours, whatever, that you can interact with me as a consumer via chat, via you know, like obviously the phone, but you know, are you available after hours? Um, is somebody available to take a call? Doesn't have to be you. Um, doesn't have to be your staff actually managing the chats. Um, somebody you know, at a call center could be helping out with this. And it'd be, you know, they're not actually giving legal advice, right? but they're maybe keeping that person from searching to the next person, next person, next person until they get their answer because this is the on-demand economy. I need it right now when I want it. That's um, not that you know that's right or wrong. It's just the way it is now. Um, so we need to make sure we're supporting our marketing from that perspective. Uh, one that the, the chat provider, uh, there's a number out there, but the one that, that, that I know works uh, really well in the legal industry um, has a lot of very easy to plug in solutions. It's uh, Engage, N G A G E. Um, I think they were recently bought uh, by another company, so, but they're still running strong. Um, we utilize them a lot. Um, there are other providers out there, but if you don't have live chat, gosh, it's so easy to set up. And what's great about it is um, I know Engage and a number of the providers. Um, their pricing model is you pay when you receive a chat um, that you accept. So it's like you can set this system up for super cheap. I mean, you have it on your website, on the website here, you can actually see that's on a mobile phone. So right at the bottom mobile device there is like a live chat button. So it's right there, I can live chat, I can start texting, or texting, I can start right having a chat on my mobile device, which again, two-thirds of millennials, 33 years old, you know, uh, two-thirds of them are gonna prefer to you know, chat than they are to actually pick up the phone and talk. Eventually, it's gonna lead to a call, right? Eventually, you're gonna have to get on the phone. Make sure you, you that first on-demand request is available uh, for you to grab and get done with. Uh, something else that we're starting to see um, expectations on is client portal. Um, I actually just recently wrote a, a blog piece about this, uh, kind of the on-demand world. Uh, client portal is something I think you know the legal industry is actually behind on. Um, I, I'm actually surprised that the medical industry is, is beating um, the legal industry to the punch. I mean, I can now. Uh, with my local you know, hospital and doctor and stuff, log in and get you know, all my uh, access to all my data. Now it's a more complicated login. Now it's like my banking um, because it is, it is very confidential information. But I can get you know all my recent tests. You know, was my cholesterol last time? Was my heart? Was this? You know, what were all the recent things we, we had done and what my next appointment should be? I mean, that's that's all online um, and available via client portal from, from the medical. I mean, gosh, the, the most backward you know industry when it comes to customer service. Um, 
And so we now are seeing these are actually two products. That, there's a number of them out there. I don't use these as any in the, uh, in the recommendation. This is an example of, uh, I think, um, on the left, you have Cleo's tool where you can actually um, have all your uh, interaction with your clients uh, during the actual matter management um, through through a client portal so they can access documents and, and uh, sign documents possibly if you've got like a document sign set up. Uh, in my case on the right there, similar. They both also, I, I didn't have a screenshot from it, they both also have great iPad apps um, and mobile apps where consumers, again, expecting to use these devices um, can actually you know, see what's going on with their case uh, if, you know, with, with your firm. Or maybe you know, submit a question or ask something or look at a document uh, or you know, have that, um, I know, uh, Loop is a company, if you've uh, purchased uh, real estate, you know, any time in the last couple of years, uh, you might have had all your documentation back and forth with your agent, um, uh, you know, via like a system called Loop. that's another client portal with real estate agents. Uh, you can do your entire transaction, sign, review documents and everything from an iPad, or I guess a mobile phone, that would be your orders, documents and stuff on a mobile phone, I'm not sure if that, I would recommend that, but um, you can do it on mobile, and you can you know, sign all this information and see it all via the online portal. Um, so it's something that we're going to start seeing more expectation of is I want to know how things are going uh, in my case, in my matter, uh, when I want to know, not when I have to pick up the phone and call and discuss something. Um, so let's you know, make sure we're ready to make that available. Uh, like I said, there's a couple practice management tools that are, that are rolling these things out, so I'm sure whatever tool you're already using, if you're not using one, um, I don't know if these two are really fast set up or in the cloud, but if you are using one, see if they have a client portal feature coming down the road and see what you can do to kind of get ahead of the game there. Another uh, thing is text messaging. Uh, I mean, on demand, I mentioned you know, having a chat, but what about actually being able to provide uh, the way that two thirds of, of millennials want to discuss things, which is via text? Um, I know a lot of, uh, you know, like, like uh, Law firms are worried about you know, capturing information, so let's make sure that we're utilizing a tool. But there are tools out there. Um, you know, two quick examples. There's a number of them out there, uh, but uh, you know, a call fire is more of like an outbound messaging and double checking appointments and stuff. But you know, still kind of works great. Um, in the chat, or some other things. Look for things where you are actually able to um, kind of capture the text information and treat it like an email, kind of like email management back in the day. Text messaging is going to be the same thing. Go ahead, you know, from your computer, you could be texting back and forth with somebody and they could be on their device where they want to be um, and when, when they want to do it. So it, uh, it, it makes it a lot easier um, to capture information uh, in your matter management system, uh, but also be acting in the way that your, your prospects are expecting. Okay, um, we're done here. So another trend that uh, this has been coming on for a while, I'd say the last few years we've been talking about this, but man, the data is just scary now. Uh, when I say we trust strangers, what we're really kind of talking about is you know online um, and, and shopping, and, and, and when I say shopping, like you know, looking around for something, whether that be um, a, you know, a profession, a doctor, a dentist, you know, a law firm, whether it be Looking for a book online, or looking for you know, a dry cleaner for your house. You know, it's looking for some kind of like business you want to um, interact with. People are, are turning to online reviews like crazy. Um, 
the review economy, I mean, the, the Yelps, I mean, as much as we, it's like one of those like love hate things with Yelp. I mean, you need to have your stuff there, but pants and hand the button. Um, but reviews really matter. Some basic information is an infographic from our last edition of our book. 79% um, of consumers trust online reviews as much as personal recommendations. 73% um, say positive reviews make them trust the business more. Uh, you know, and it goes on. We got um, you know, 72% of users will use a local business if it has a three-star rating, 92 a four-star. Look at the drop-off. You know, two-star, one-star. I mean, if you don't have any stars and people have stars, uh, you know, they think that's gonna gonna uh, react for your uh, prospects. So, um, one of the interesting things about that is if you think about your own behavior, uh, have you ever had it where somebody recommended a book or a um, uh, even, even maybe a service business, maybe you know, like I had my carpet cleaned you know, not too long ago. Um, but you know, somebody re referred a book to me, it's like, oh, hey, I know, you know, we talked about books before, you might like this book. So I go on Amazon and look at the book, and it's like, huh, you can start reading the reviews, just do that now. And so reading these reviews, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really think that book's for me. But my friend, told me, hey, I know who you are, we've talked about books before, you would like this book, and then I let strangers basically, you know, overweigh this, you know, friend's uh, decision. That's happening all over. Um, what's interesting is that data and that infographic is actually old. Um, it's crazy, 92% of consumers are reading online reviews, that's up 4% uh, just from last year. 40% um, of consumers form an opinion just by reading one to three reviews. Well, that's good. So not like we need hundreds of reviews. That's hard, right? You're a law firm. It's hard to get reviews. Um, only 13% of consumers consider using a business that has a one or two star rating, right? So that's even less than the data I just showed you. Um, and a star rating, this was interesting to me. Star rating is now the number one factor used by consumers to judge a business, okay? So yes, uh, we, we still believe we have a lot of data that shows that um, word of mouth referrals is still a big, big driver for someone to look to for when picking a law firm. We did a big study last year that showed that over 60-something percent of people prefer to get uh, a law, you know, information about a law firm from word of mouth. However, a majority of those people, and it's like 50 to 60 percent as well, the majority of those people will go online and look up that firm before they call them. So just uh, that started from last last summer, so 2014 summer, um, and so it's 2015 now. The star rating, if they do go online, that's the number one factor consumers are using. So how does this actually look online? Man, Google's loving the stars. Stars show up everywhere. Um, here's two, you know, random searches of divorce attorney in Tyler, Texas, the personal injury lawyer, um, and you're gonna see right about that the two top the terms. Uh, one's from Yelp, and one's the actual law firm listing Google stars right there, you know, right at the top. Uh, probably not a not a uh, surprise that the ones with stars probably came up higher. Um, here's an example of we talked about that knowledge graph. So you have the knowledge graph. You got you know you search for the firm on the right, up pops uh, something from Google with stars and, and information. Um, this one was interesting. We, I have seen this you know hit or miss. It's obviously something we was testing. But if I click on uh, the reviews, Google pops up a window to let me look through the reviews, and then I can click off of the window. I have found no other instance in Google where they do a pop-up to let me do something and go back. Google typically will be, you know, their 
we call it redo a search or take you to the web page. Not do a pop up. So it just shows you that you know, how much value they're putting on reviews. Um, I mean, Google Lab Zagat guys, I mean, they, you know, they're trying to figure this out. They, they definitely put a lot of value on it. So this is how much value they're actually creating a pop up over their own real estate um, to show information about reviews. And of course, it is on mobile. So, you know, don't forget about mobile. It is, um, you know, front and center here. Again, probably no surprise why the, the firm is ranking a little bit higher. It's a lot of factors go into it, but reviews are one. Where do you get reviews? And I'll be completely honest, it is not easy. Um, in, in the legal space, getting reviews is hard. I mean, people don't want to say, thanks for getting me off that net charge. So, um, but you know, even you know, we're talking about sensitive subjects, whether it's divorce, uh, DUI, um, you know, some injury incident that they don't really want to talk about, uh, the fact that they work with a lawyer. Um, so there's they're sensitive information here, so it's hard. Um, where do you get reviews though? We recommend uh, Google Plus and Avo. And um, whether you like it or not, uh, Yelp is still an area that, that ranks well um, and shows up in the listings. So if you get reviews on Yelp, that's great. Um, it's a it's a tougher one because their filters are so strong. So if it's somebody who hasn't done a lot of reviews on Yelp, you're going to get you know they're going to be their first review will be for your firm. Oftentimes that'll get filtered out. Google Plus is being a little stricter in the filters as well. Um, Avo is one of the few places where I think you can still uh, have somebody review anonymous. So it's often a good place to send somebody who's never really spent a lot of time online and send to your Avo profile. Uh, Avo ranks really well, but another one we really recommend. Um, I didn't really talk about Avo and the rest of the deck here, but something that we're seeing it continue to dominate the rankings. So take advantage and make sure your Avo profile is cleaned up. Um, they've got a you know, couple mobile apps now, they're doing a lot of consumer advertising. Um, so you know, stick around with them. I think there's a lot of uh, positive momentum there that you might as well, might as well ride. Uh, and then the actual your actual page itself. Make sure somebody clicks on your on your law firm page from Google, um, not your website, but your actual uh, Google Plus global page. Um, they've actually changed the interface a little bit. Gosh, just not even a month ago. Um, I know for us, you know, around uh, law firm marketing agency to go clean up a lot of stuff. Um, layout's a little different than this, but still, make sure you know you've got a good picture. Make sure your user front and center. Make sure your description makes sense. Hours are correct. Um, address is correct. Yeah, it should be a no-brainer, but believe it or not, we get a lot of things where the phone number is wrong um, on these pages. Uh, and then please watch out. I say reviews are important, but we get these emails all the time and we're an agency. Um, so we get these emails that have, you know, we can get you five reviews a month for you know, this much money and it's not a lot. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, you can go out and look at reviews and probably see the ones that people will make. Uh, we definitely can go and see that same person reviewed, you know, a dentist in Boston, uh, you know, a dry cleaner in Omaha. It's, it's obvious, but um, they're out there and, you know, using words like reputation and stuff, those are big buzzwords. So um, this is a, you know, singling this company out, they just happened to send me an email that was obviously one of those two different features and I grabbed them and put them out here. So um, shame on them for emailing me something horrible that. Uh, uh, you know, look out for these type of things. All right, uh, links still matter. Um, so in, in this uh, day and age of social media and reviews and local search and all these uh, you know, kind of 
things we worry about in digital marketing. Um, the, the original things we always talk about is make sure you have good backlinks to your website. And what that led to was a lot of people finding creative ways to have um, links that were nefariously, um, nefariously, I guess, uh, acquired, uh, kind of like bot links, um, creating websites just to create links. Uh, legal industry definitely um, has a lot of websites that existed for a while that were just there to basically pay some money to get a link to your website. Google did a great job of kind of getting rid of a lot of that junk. Um, it penalized some sites, as you know, some of you were out of the map, I know, for last year. We spent a lot of time just cleaning up people's websites that came to us. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it's going pretty well. But uh, links do um, still matter. I see a lot of drawing going on. That's not me. I'm not sure. Um, so that links do still matter. What, but uh, how do we get them? You know, um, we, we don't buy links. Uh, I recommend not buying links. But uh, you know, what we recommend is getting contextual links um, versus like just looking for the link. When I say contextual, it means finding something that uh, applies to what you're really doing, and then actually you know having having a real link for that. Um, in contact with, with what your business is. Um, so one thing that we, you know, I put on here, scholarships rock. I'm going to talk about scholarships as a way to kind of get some of these contextual links that still do matter. And uh, it's just a different way of thinking than it used to be. Um, what I would call it is, uh, you know, alternative strategies. Basically, we're going to go old school. Uh, we're going to take traditional marketing strategies figure out a way to maximize the search and social value. Um, and when I say maximize the search value, a lot of that is getting links to your website um, by using traditional marketing strategies. Um, one of the ones that, uh, that you know, we like is, is looking at PR, things that, that PR agencies did. Um, and they did it for press reasons because it was positive press. It got you mentions in newspapers. It, it got you know, a positive uh, feeling in the community. Um, so we like to look at some of those strategies and see how can we apply that online and then maximize it with links and social shares and stuff. So one of the ones that, that we've been doing over the past um, year and a half now that we've got some great data out of this that's showing it's working really well is scholarships. But I thought share it. I mean, feel free to take and use this kind of stuff. Um, so what you'll do is you'll create a scholarship on your website. Excuse me. Um, and you'll you know, create maybe an infographic about it, create a page about it. Um, you'll take some emails, uh, you know, send it out into your list, um, and then you accept, you know, people subscribing for a scholarship on your website. Um, but the hard part is, is how do we have links? So uh, here's kind of like the, the list I was just going through. So put the instructions out on your website. Um, we always recommend creating an infographic because visual media um, is something that plays really well. I have it as an extra thing to talk about again. Um, so visual media is something that, you know, especially with that kind of Gen Z we talked about, they would be the ones looking for scholarship. Um, you know, they're looking at images and you know, uh, Instagram videos, et cetera. Um, so how do we do links though? Well, we actually have to reach out to the schools. Schools keep you know, counselors, colleges, um, all these, you know, uh, school websites have lists and lists of all these available scholarships. Um, they go out looking for some of those things, but a lot of times they don't, you know, they don't know where to go find everything, so they take a lot of people's phone calls. 
And so you, if you do actual manual, you know, old school, pick up the phone outreach, uh, you can often you know, get a hold of the school and look at what their your scholarship up on their website, linking back to your website because that's where all the information in the application is. Um, there are some services out there that will host your scholarship for you, but they host it on their website, so don't do that. It kind of takes away from some of the value of this. Um, and then a video versus an essay, you know, if you're going after a 17-year-old Gen Z person we talked about, um, you know, it's an easy choice. You know, you're going to maybe allow them to submit a video versus an essay, and they can post the video on YouTube and send it, send it to you, um, and a lot of them probably will then say, hey, look at this video I created and share it with all their friends. Uh, this is an example of a contextual link. So this is actually from a, 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 a educational institution um, that took the text and stuff that we provided, put it on their website, um, and of course we've got the firm name there, we've got um, information about the, the firm, you know, like it's a law office, uh, you know, some of the names of the people, where, St. Louis. Um, you'll see a link to the actual firm website, um, all you know, on this uh, university's web website. Now, the nice thing about universities and, and many high schools is they are what are called .edu links. Um, it is, anybody can get a .org link pretty much. You can get a .com, .com .co, you know, all these kind of random ones. But .edu and .gov uh, are reserved. You have to be a government institution to get a .gov and an educational institution and go through hoops to do that. You get a .edu link um, or a .edu web address. So getting a link from a .edu um, carries a little more weight in Google's mind because uh, there is a very, you know, there's a level to, to be a .edu, so they kind of like give it, give it more weight in, in the rankings. So getting these links from .edu's are, are good. Um, yeah, this is an example of somebody taking me, um, taking their, their essay and putting it up on YouTube to submit it. Um, and a lot of people will make it private and submit it, and that's great. But here's somebody who put it right on, um, YouTube, and I think in the description it said, you know, find YouTube, put a link to our, our website in there, or to, to this page, so you'll see right at the bottom, apparently on the screen there, there's a link to that law firm on the YouTube video. Um, obviously share it with friends and family, because there's 61 views of uh, Nathan here, uh, and I'm sure this wasn't like searched for, um, so it's, you know, probably he's sharing it out there. Uh, they talked about why he wanted to earn the scholarship. Um, and, you know, they had a number of uh, video applications um, with this. Um, so that scholarship is, is, a, is a great way. Um, you can also do some press outreach. Um, you know, again, go kind of old school. Most press outlets, probably all that, you know, are worth anything, I guess, have a website. Um, so whether it's a newspaper, whether it's a TV station, whatever, they have a website where they're publishing a lot of um, in this case, uh, here was somebody who wrote an article about uh, when the texting 911 came out. They wrote some stuff about, hey, you know, our county, how, you know, um, this county allows it, this county doesn't. So the text of 911 that was being national buzz on like Today Show and everything. Well, the local reporter, um, you know, worked with this law firm to kind of clear up the, the misconception that it's, hey, it's not available in our county yet. So don't go text 911, you're not going to get any help. Um, and so they got the press mention, links to the website, um, put the blog on his website as well, uh, with more detail. Um, so it, it was, you know, kind of a, one of those win-wins where the uh, press got a great article, got a uh, resource, and then the law firm got a link from uh, there. Um, 
This is another example of um, uh, somebody called Lotus Designer. He had um, died from uh, caffeine over caffeine pill overdose, so it was like a kind of class action that was going on. But um, the family wanted to, you know, getting all this insurance and stuff. So the law firm actually uh, paid us on behalf of the family to create a, a page to to honor uh, Logan and then collect uh, money for the scholarship fund they were trying to raise and stuff. So um, yeah, another. Um, and then in the media there, they were getting you know, inundated to the, all the media said, please contact this law firm uh, for anything as well. So, um, but, you know, they rank and, and press for the law firm, um, but it also, uh, you know, provided a great, you know, again, you know, what are some good PR tactics um, that can do good and provide something? How do we provide that? Um, so, example that, they got me uh, Dr. Oz show, um, a number of. Uh, uh, websites as well. Sponsorships. Um, here's one that I mean, it's easy. How about how many times do you get hit up for? Or you probably already did. You know, sponsor this pool league team. Sponsor this soccer team. Um, let's make sure that, that if you do, one of the questions I recommend asking is, "Oh, that's great. Um, on your website, where will that show up?" Uh, many, many of these. This is a, a local. Uh, it's the suburbs, this say. NYO Mason. Um, it's a local. Little League, I guess, and they have an entire section, um, including on their banner and stuff, for sponsors to add links. So it's a link back to your website from an organization. Um, so again, you get the kind of community benefit, but here we get a very targeted link, and you can put some music text around it and stuff as well. Um, and then one thing I recommend is just, uh, if you're looking for where to sponsor, and you're wanting to, one, to you know, provide some good benefit, but also look for um, what's going to be your benefit back from a search perspective? We do is we just Google uh, that city and say, you know, that city in Terry or that city in you know, nonprofit stuff and see what ranks high. If those are ranking high, then they're doing a good job on their own building a web presence that's, that's doing well. If you then get a sponsorship on those pages, you're going to have a higher, higher link value. Um, oops, that was uh, old. Let me skip that one. All right, uh, we're not out of time. I'm just going to give you four more things to keep an eye on, uh, and then we'll take questions. Uh, visual marketing, uh, I mentioned you've got you know, Instagram, you've got Pinterest, you've got uh, YouTube, I kind of include there, you know, like this like bite size information. Infographics work well. Look at all the content that you've been creating, if you've been doing blogging and stuff like that, and recommended over the past few years. How can you take that and create like a cool infographic with all this data you've done over time? Uh, social media, if you're just out there posting stuff on Facebook, nobody's probably listening to your law firm. Um, you got to kind of pay to play these days. Um, so there's a whole section of things we can talk about just on social media and the psychographic and demographic information you can market to um, on Facebook alone, uh, let alone the other, other uh, area. You yeah, got to answer questions on that or talk about that more. Um, security is becoming a, a big buzzword as well. Uh, because of all the things that happened, but just make sure, and this really isn't marketing, this is more of a prevention and marketing, uh, prevent that, that ugly PR nightmare of having um, some very sensitive things in, in your firm get, get accessed. Um, so, you know, sometimes using a cloud provider may be more secure than uh, having your own servers um, you know, that are, that are going to go bad or whatever issues there. Uh, it's, you know, there's, there's Pros and cons, but just be aware that that's something we're seeing people actually ask questions about. Oh, you're accepting a form with this information. Is it a secure form uh, online? Uh, the client portals, etc. 
Uh, and then technology confidence um, is something we've been seeing, uh, obviously, in the, in the ABA model rules, kind of like getting inserted in there, state by state, kind of adding it in. But you know, we don't really know what it means. It doesn't mean like, what does it mean to be confident in technology. But definitely what I recommend is really, really know who's doing the work for you. Um, if you have somebody helping implement your practice management system, you have somebody doing social media, you have somebody doing your website, um, you're responsible for any ethic violations that they, that they, that they do or cause. Um, so somebody puts up something without the proper disclaimer depending on your state. If somebody uh, you know, puts up some reviews and helps get reviews and it talks about how you're the best ever and you won millions of dollars every time guaranteed. Well, you know, you're going to be in violation of some things and we're seeing that the Bar Association start to go after some of these like things. Reviews are actually getting uh, picked up and, and uh, sanctioned. So. Um, just be aware of, uh, you know, while there's a technology confidence piece that's, you know, very, very gray right now and becoming clearer over the next few years, I'm sure, definitely you're responsible for the people you hire to do the work. Just make sure um, that they understand your ethics rules in your state and for that you're really keeping an eye out. I would always recommend not allowing anything to be posted on your website unless you uh, signed off or someone on your group signed off. So, uh, with that, I will... Um, so put this slide back up so that you guys can uh, have the link. But I'm happy to take some questions. I know we have a few minutes left. Now, questions when we come to the chat or yeah, any any questions? If there are any questions, um, please put them through the chat. Uh, Mark would be happy to take questions. Uh, Mark, you you've also given them. You giving them your contact information as well on the slide? Yeah, so um, gngf.com, and uh, okay. I'm Mark, M-A-R-K, at gngf.com. Okay. Um, Twitter, Mark underscore Homer. Uh, but yeah, feel free to, um, and when you get our book, there's even some ways to contact us as well for just questions. Um, we are more than happy to spend time. I mean, I've got multiple people here uh, consultants that will jump on the phone, people who randomly email us because they read something in our book and have a question. Um, and we'll take, you know, 15, 20 minutes to just kind of walk through some, some answer some questions people have. Uh, we try to, you know, we go out and do CLEs, we wrote the book, everything. we take a very educational um, uh, perspective on things, so pretty much our agency is growing because we've consulted a lot and then people along the way have just asked us to do more and more, so. Excellent. Well, thank you. I, I'm not seeing any questions right now. Um, so I think if folks want to follow up, um, I'm sure they will. Uh, but thank you so much for that presentation. It was excellent. Um, uh, so the, the question just came into me. Oh, OK. Go ahead. Uh, I was on how to deal with negative references on websites. Um, gosh, good, good question. Uh, I want to watch. So there's a, a number of ways. The basic, basic recommendation that we start with is um, the best defense is a really, really good offense. So continue to try to overwhelm the um, reviews with positive reviews. So if you have, you know, if you have negative reviews and you can't go get positive reviews, you know, maybe look internally a little bit, maybe there's some other issues, but if you, you know, you've got to have happy clients out there. Um, so work on getting some positive reviews. Don't get them all at once. Don't be the firm that suddenly shows, you know, a negative review and then a week later, ten positive reviews because that looks a little fishy. 
But if, you know, every month you can get a couple of good reviews. Um, that will slowly, um, recency sometimes has a, has a way of moving up on the stars uh, in the reviews, so that helps. Um, if it's specific to a, um, there's one website out there called Ripoff Report that, um, yeah, it's very shady in my opinion, but uh, it's, it's kind of one of those, those websites where they get something on there, they, rank, they used to rank really well, they don't rank quite as well anymore, but they still show up sometimes. Um, and then they kind of say, well, you can pay us and we'll move, we'll move some stuff off, off the site. So um, there is a way to do some uh, you know, legal action um, that will uh, be enough to tell Google to remove it from the search rankings. So it may still exist out there, but nobody's going to find it if they can't find it on Google. Um, and if somebody has a question about that, they can email me. There's a, um, oh gosh, I was at either Moynomics uh, or uh, tech show or somewhere I saw a presentation by somebody who gave very, very specifics on that, um, on, on the rip-off report and stuff. Actually, it might have been PubCon. Uh, so I, I, I had that information. I actually had the person's name if you had uh, issued there. But if it's just something like Yelp um, or you know, Google where you got a negative review, um, then I would recommend uh, you know, just working on a positive strategy. Um, one thing that uh, Amazon did a study a few years ago, and it was something like uh, products that had uh, a bunch of reviews that were mixed. So, like, you know, had, you know, had like a one star, had five stars, and four stars, sold more than products that were all five stars. So, sometimes a, you know, everybody always knows there's that one guy who, you know, never is happy. So, um, but if there's an overwhelming, you know, majority that are saying great things, um, then I think uh, yeah, that's, that's the way we'll go long run. There's also strategies on how to approach, you know, sometimes you can respond to reviews on some sites. In doing that, my recommendation is it's okay, but always respond like you're responding for the next prospect looking at that review, never respond at the person you left the review. Um, and then lastly, uh, the last tip is if it was a uh, fake review or somebody uh, like a disgruntled, um, you know, opposing counsel's client, um, they lost. So maybe they get pissed and they go online, they say horrible things. If you can prove that that person was somebody who was on the other side of the aisle, right, and um, you can show Google that or Yelp or whatever, their terms of service say that they have to be a customer or a client of yours to leave a review. So if you can prove that definitely they weren't because they were on the opposite side, um, then sometimes they'll pull that away. It may take four or five months, um, but that's another way to work it. Yeah, I think I, I just saw someone may have accidentally tried to raise their hand. Um, but uh, if you do have a question, if you could put it in the chat um, box. All right, here we go. Here's a, a last question. Um, can you get paid for video chats? Uh, I need to know a little more. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Um, with, uh, put another question. I mean, that I. Oh, I think so. They're they're asking. So you're you're asking if um, if you can do a video chat with a client and get paid for providing legal services. I think that's the question. So, and I think that's a little bit different than what um, what you're mm -hmm. describing, Mark, because what you're describing is not you're you're 
you're talking about not providing necessarily legal services, actually probably not providing legal services, um, but instead, uh, you know, letting people know you're there. It, you know, it's basically, um, it's a, uh, it, it's not necessarily a, a, a consultation, um, because obviously you'd want to do a fee agreement and a conflict check and you don't want to be giving, uh, you know, free advice, all that good stuff. Um, so it's more of a way to, um, to chat with a potential client and basically sell your, your services to them, if, if that's what I understand. Yeah, so that, that's um, one way. But I, mean, I guess the, the kind of virtual law office concept of, of I mean, we're seeing it in multiple industries, right? You're seeing it in medical as well, um, where you have that, you know, once you've kind of done your due diligence, it's a way to provide, you know, service. Uh, instead of what's like an event, let's do a video chat. Um, as far as I understand, in, in you know, any state I've, I've seen or asked that question, is it's, if, it's, you know, if, if you've done your it's basically just another way of providing a service um, that you could provide a phone or provide a person, a video chat accepted. Um, I don't think, um, for marketing purposes, yeah, I mean, you would charge just for them to come and ask you, you know, like, hey, do you do this kind of issue and is it something you can help with? Uh, the next step would be, yes, we can help with that. Would you like to set up an appointment? At that point, you can, you know, start doing your, your uh, due diligence there. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's it's basically a, a way to make yourself available almost you know twenty four seven to someone who finds you on the internet, and maybe you know that helps you get business over another attorney who doesn't have that um, that option. Um, but you know the the caveat certainly is you know don't give legal advice um, you know when you've got just this this chat and you don't know who the client is. Um, but you know, on the other hand, if you're going to do a video chat with a client who you've already engaged, you've signed a fee agreement, um, et cetera, um, that would be fine. I mean, you can, you can do a video chat, um, and, and get paid for that. Um, but this is a, a little bit different. Um, so I think, so I think we, uh, we are, we can wrap up now. I, I don't see any additional questions. Um, so Mark, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your, your time, your expertise. Uh, this was an excellent webinar. Um, Mark, do you mind s- sending me your slides so I can make those available to, to folks? Uh, absolutely. I'll send you slides and then the link will be there. Okay. Um, I'll probably keep the link up for a week. Okay. But um, I probably can keep this ongoing for the rest of your absolutely. year. Absolutely. So if anyone needs that link again, we'll, we'll, um, we'll have it up uh, until... Uh, until Mark, Mark takes it down. But if you'd like a copy of the slides, we'll put those up as well. As well. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.